I had the fantastic opportunity to interview Eben Upton, the creator of the Raspberry Pi. Eben was very gracious and spent quite a bit of time with me. I interviewed him about the chip shortage. I interviewed him about various topics about the Raspberry Pi. But one of the things I wanted to do is get a bit of behind the scenes content. Uh, so I'm Eben Upton uh, and I'm one of the founders of Raspberry Pi. Hey everyone, it's David Bombal back with a very, very special guest. Evan, welcome. Good to be here. So we are not in my normal studio. Where are we? Uh, we're in the Morris Wilkes building, so we're in the, the place we call Pi Towers, uh, just on the outskirts of Cambridge, where we design Raspberry Pis. 60 years as a fellow of St. John's College, imagine that. I've been a fellow of St. John's College for three years, so I have a little bit, uh, I have a little bit of catching up to do. Um, so yeah, this is Raspberry Pi, a fairly generic cubicle lander. I mean, the reality of modern engineering is that it's mostly done at a desk in front of a workstation. It's not but very little of it, of, even of what we do, and we're a hardware company, very little of what we do is done with a soldering iron. However, some things are done with a soldering iron, and things that are done with a soldering iron tend to happen in here. This is the lab. Uh, this is Roger Thornton. Uh, he's the director of application engineering and also designer of Raspberry Pi 0W and Raspberry Pi 3B+. And, um, and yeah, you know, we have the usual collection of stuff, right? You know, big ovens, expensive uh, test equipment, uh, a lot of soldering irons, um, a lot of reels of a lot of reels of components. I don't think we've ever built a Raspberry Pi product in its entirety here. It would be it would be prohibitively expensive and prohibitively complicated to build even kind of the simplest thing that we make actually in this room. So we tend to, even the short run prototyping, we tend to shop out to specialist um, uh, third parties. Things we might do here, we'll do rework here. So if we have a board that has a chip on and we want to try, um, you know, a thing you do quite often during um, a development of a platform is to try uh, what we call split lots. So these are pieces of silicon which are intentionally fast or intentionally slow. You know, when, you, when, when chips come out of the fab, there's a distribution, a normal distribution of speed, uh, which corresponds largely to the kind of the doping, the doping levels and the various uh, the, the, the various dopants that get diffused into the silicon. And there are slow parts which uh, where um, uh, the transistors run slowly, but the chip doesn't leak very much. And you might worry about those parts because will they perform at the target clock speed. And then you have fast parts where the transistors work very fast, but they're very leaky. And you might worry about those parts because you might worry they might overheat. You know, they might malfunction, they might consume too much power, they might um, brown out the power supply, they might um, uh, generate too much heat, overheat and cook, uh, do what we call thermal runaway. One thing you do during the development of a, of, a, um, of a platform is you request from the foundry what we call split lots, fast silicon, uh, slow silicon, uh, sometimes what we call cross splits, because of course modern CMOS chips have both um, uh, NMOS and PMOS transistors in them. Uh, they have separate doping, so you can actually get what we call a cross split. You can get a, a chip where the PMOS is artificially doped to be fast and the NMOS artificially doped to be slow or vice versa, and you kind of worry that maybe some of your circuits won't work well under those circumstances. So you have fast silicon, slow silicon, split silicon. Uh, what you might do is take a Raspberry Pi 4, um, you get some 2711 split silicon from the fab, you take off the uh, you take off the existing chip, the existing regular production chip, and you put one of these special chips on and you test, you know, use some of this test equipment to evaluate whether the device is still performing the way you want it to perform. So that kind of rework we can do here. 
um, uh, even low volume uh, prototype manufacturing we don't tend to do in this room. Give you an example of what have we done in this, what have we done, what, what might we do with this oven? USB power supplies. When we did the USB power supply for Raspberry Pi 4, uh, we took a bunch of them and we put them in this oven and we ran them at 90 degrees, ran them under maximum load at 90 degrees for a month. Now, obviously, for our, a our, for a month. Now, obviously our supplier has done their own testing, does their own unit testing, has done their own qualification testing, but there's nothing as reassuring seeing that, say, 50 USB power supplies survived an ambient operating environment of 90 degrees for a month to satisfy yourself that the practical environment at 20 degree, 20 or 30 degree ambient, they're going to survive for four, five, six years. Evan and I recorded an interview at the Raspberry Pi offices where I basically quizzed him about the chip shortage and the issues with delivering Raspberry Pis. But then we walked around St. John's College and he explained a bit about the history and the origins of the Raspberry Pi. So this is this is second court, St. John's College, Cambridge, the largest functioning Tudor court in the world. Hampton Court may have something a bit bigger. This is the one that's actually used on a day-to-day -day basis by students and academics. And it's where I spent my, my undergraduate life from 1996 to 99 and then my PhD from uh, from 2001 through to 2006. Yeah, it's kind of a, it was a wonderful place. It's also where I was, so it's where I was director of studies, um, where we first, I thought, where certainly where I first became aware of the collapse in the number of um, applicants to computer science. You know, it's amazing the how moderate the vision was, I suppose, you know, that we were. To <laughs> what it's become. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's um, you know, we thought, well, we'll build a thousand units and we'll get them into the hands of the right thousand kids. A tenth of those apply to study computer science at Cambridge. We want to find about a hundred kids a year to come to Cambridge uh, to study computing. And we were down to about 200 applicants. I mean, that's incredible, right? And so this is a really simple ambition, you know, give out a thousand computers, get an extra hundred applicants. Oh, now we've got 300 applicants for a hundred places. That's really a material change. We interview school kids, you know, prospective students in December. And I went down to the tutorial office in December 2004. And I went to get my bundle of folders because it was all paper back then, right? I went to get my bundle of folders. It was, uh, was seven, I think seven folders. How, I had many, how many students uh, do, does Cambridge accept? So uh, Cambridge accepts about 100. I think we were looking to accept three or four. Um, and I had seven applicants. And so it's down to that kind of two to one ratio that we talked about. Yeah. Um, you know, it's very disadvantageous from, from the, great from the student's point of view, but from the university's point of view, a very disadvantageous ratio. Um, and since those days now, what it, was it one and a half thousand or something? Yeah, it's one and a half thousand. I think St. John's is sort of 40 to 40 to 50. It's about 40 to 50 students. But, you know, broadly the same number of places. I think we've, we've, managed, we've managed to find another one or two places. But, you know, the ratios are much more the kind of 10 to 1, 10 to 1, 15 to 1 kind of ratios that you kind of associate with kind of a popular, healthy course. And I think it's really important to emphasize that, we, you know, we never got to a point where we, you know, the kids I, you know, I had my seven folders and I omitted three three young people, and they were absolutely first class. Yeah. Absolutely first class intellect. Um, and we never got to a point where we had to let anyone in who wasn't good, but I think we got to the point where we were letting in everybody who was good. Yeah. <laughs> you know. and, you, um, and, you, and you said you wanted to have like contention for it, right? Yeah, you want to have a little bit of contention. Uh, you know, you want, to, you, you want it to be a bit challenging. This is first court. And you can see this is a sort of like, well, kind of wonderful kind of historical vandalism that would, would, occur, would occur at Cambridge. Oh, you have, you know, this amazing kind of Tudor, this, you know, these two amazing Tudor walls. And you can see that at some point they demolished one wall and they built this, which is oh, extremely wow. nice. Yeah. Um, but is, and it's probably more livable than that. But, you know, you can't imagine someone in the 21st century looking at something like this and thinking, yeah, let's knock it down and build something new. And that's kind of, you know, we're talking about Yale, you know, we're talking about like the difference between kind of here and some of the kind of American, uh, you know, American universities. Everything here is very hodgepodge, very kind of uh, 
cobbled together. But it's over like hundreds of years or? Yeah, yeah, over the course of hundreds of years. And so what you have is this kind of mishmash of historical styles. You know, this is, so listen, I got married there. So this oh, is, this is, wow. uh, this is the, the college chapel and uh, which is relatively new by, by college standards. It's uh, I think a uh, hundred and some years old. It, it, nothing is planned here. Yeah. You know, you have, and so you'll have, and you know, that does occasionally generate these kind of architectural monstrosities. Um, but it also generates this kind of wonderful sort of kind of kind of hodgepodge, higgledy piggledy kind of feel that, um, that, that that characterizes the place. I think what we'll do is we'll walk across the kitchen bridge, so we get a nice view of the bridge of size. But yeah, a lot of happy days spent in as uh, my uh, Dick McConnell, my um, uh, my tutor when I was an engineer, had a set up in there. I think the first or second floor uh, set up in here, kind of go up inside that. A lot of the early work was done here, right? Yeah, 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 that's right. I mean, a lot of the, certainly the inspiration for the work was, the inspiration of the work came from the, the, the experience of being a director of studies here. Um, and I was still a director of studies when I was building the very earliest prototypes. I stopped in 2007. And what I came up with, shall I pick this up? What I ended up with was this. So this is a, uh, um, this is a computer. I stayed on as a director of studies. So I was a director of studies for the last little bit of my PhD, but I really felt that I wasn't giving it my, full attention. Very quickly on joining Broadcom got sucked into doing all this kind of very exciting uh, engineering and you're kind of thinking like am I really giving these guys a fair crack of the whip and so fortunately the college recruited a uh, another fellow, um, Rob Mullins, who's one of my co-founders at Raspberry Pi. I was able to give up the director of studies role and then I was kind of, I did the MBA and then I was absent from the college for from, oh yeah this is the Bridge of Size so this is the kind of, this is your canonical Cambridge view, the Bridge of Size uh, I used to have the room. I used to have a room up there in yep. the, uh, the top floor there, looking down on the. You could look down on the, the noisy tourists and the punts while you're trying to revise for your uh, exams. You used to chuck things out the window at them to try to shut them up. You can see 1671. You know, you can yep. see the sort of age of this you know, third court, which is relatively new for something on this side of the river, um, is itself you know getting on for 400 years old. And if you look this way, uh, I don't. I mean, I don't like to look that way because this is Trinity College. So these are the these are the enemy. Obviously, you know they they are the only college, the only college that is older and whether well, that is sorry is larger and richer than us. Uh, and, and the fact that they're right next door is absolutely maddening. It's Trinity College, and if you look at the building, it's so the building that we can see end on here, the building that's on the river. That's the Wren Library. So that was that was designed by Sir Christopher Wren. We might be able to see a little bit more when we get further along. But you'll see there's nothing on the ground floor. Um, so until relatively recently, the level of the river was not well controlled. Oh, right, um, yeah. And so, you know, if you've got books, you're going yeah. to put them on the first floor. You can actually start to see now there's, a, there's an open cloister underneath that and all the books are up on the, up on the higher floors. Over here is, is Newcourt uh, and that's East Staircase Newcourt. What we're going to get to see through the middle there, that's East Staircase Newcourt where I met Liz, uh, my co-founder and wife, my wife and co-founder uh, in 1997. I can't remember whether I was going up the stairs and she was coming down the stairs or vice versa, but she certainly... Uh, Got my attention. And thank goodness for that. Yeah, right. You know. what have you created? Yeah, it? that's it. It's quite something. You saw what you're starting to see over here. This is the crypt. This is the crypts building. So this is in the first year. Talk about architectural monstrosities. I always used to think when I lived in it that the crypts building was an architectural monstrosity, but actually, it's it's they've subsequently it was sort of towards it was built in the 60s. Uh, it's not actually made out of concrete. It's made out of Portland stone. It just looks like concrete. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah, but it's actually re rather nicely. If you can see, it looks lovely in the sunshine now. Maybe 10 years ago they refurbed it and it's come out very nicely. So in the first year, you're in the ugly stuff, looking out at the beautiful stuff, but you're in the, nice and in the warm. In the, in the second year, you're in the drafty old stuff, looking at the ugly new stuff. The first year is you get the best, the best gig here. But that, that's not a reason to fail. 
Yeah, no, no, absolutely not. So you get a nice view of the Wren Library back there. You know, you can see, yeah, quite, quite something. You get a nice view of the, the chapel tower there. But it's, you know, you can imagine what it's like. You know, this is a lovely place to. Uh, Unbelievable. Yeah. It's a lovely place to be a to be an undergraduate. But what I love about it, at the end of the day, is you came here, but that didn't stop you creating something that changes the lives of people all over the world. The law of unintended consequences, isn't it? You try and build something to for one. I mean, it's, it's back to the power of general purpose computers, right? Yeah. If you build something which has a kind of an uncommitted feel to it, you know, something which, which can do anything, then you don't know what people are going to do with it. And I mean, we, we're just lucky that people, we did accomplish what we were trying to, we accomplished what we were trying to accomplish, but we also seem to have accomplished a bunch of other stuff as well. And certainly at 50 million units, what are we? We are four, four, like four orders of magnitude beyond the sort of scale that we expected to be at. The number one selling computer in the UK mm -hmm. is the Raspberry Pi, right? I believe so. So um, the sort of number one selling computer to come out of the UK, uh, I think the, the Sinclair Spectrum was probably the, yeah, really the previous right. record holder. And I think actually there are Amstrad fanboys. I think that the PC, Amstrad PCW may have sold 8 million. I think when we went past 5 million, we tweeted now with the best-selling British computer, and you would not believe how many fans there are of the Amstrad PCW eight five twelve or something, saying no, they did, they did, they did eight million units over a decade. So yeah, so let's say eight million units but now, for PCW. But you're doing like seven million a year now. That's the that well, what's what's kind of exciting about this year is we get to find out what our real demand is, yeah. because you know last time we had an unconstrained year it was 2020. So we've had two constraint years, of which of course last year was particularly painful. My belief is, based on what we can see, we're going to turn out to be an eight to nine million unit a year business now. We won't really know. And of course there will be a little bit of overshoot and it's one of the, the big challenges running the business over the next six months. It's a nice problem to have, is to manage that overshoot of demand. Yeah. That there will be a period where you look at our, our second half of the year and the budget for the second half of the year has multiple million unit months in it. Now we've never done a million unit month. The biggest month we ever had was actually March 2021, just before we went into shortage, which was 850,000 850, units. So we've never done a million unit year. We're planning and we have backlog to support multiple million unit months. And really what I've got to do, the commercial team has got to do, is to kind of catch as some of that demand will drop away because some of that demand is pent up demand. It's people filling, it's various buffers yeah. in the system filling up. And you know, some of those buffers are very obvious buffers, you know, just like the number of units that are available in the sum of all of the approved resellers and the, the number of units that are available across all, all the distributors. Um, okay, we're now going through uh, East Staircase. Uh, this is the famous staircase, right? This is the famous staircase. When I was setting up this interview, I heard about these famous stairs. This is where he met Liz, his wife. So together they formed the Rosby Pi Foundation and obviously a lot of the success of the Raspberry Pi is due to these set of stairs. And the, fu the fun thing actually about this was that the room that we were going to and from was actually um, a chap called Alex Evans, who was one of the co-founders, went on to be one of the co-founders of Media Molecule, who did um, Little Big Planet. Yep. Right, so it's like kind of a lot of fun stuff came out of our year actually at, uh, at, at St. John's. The, the, the goal really is as you fill those buffers and then demand I think will fall away to maybe 700,000 units a month, is we've just got to kind of catch that without overshooting, without ending up holding a lot of inventory ourselves and exposing ourselves to financial risk. Are they not like ordering more and more and more? Or, is it, or do you think they're also just filling buffers? You look at our backlog now, I mean, our backlog is very actively managed. We do have some comfort that there really is underlying and ongoing demand there, but there's inevitably going to be buffer fill. There's going, to be, there's going to be buffer fill we can detect, but there'll be buffer fill we can't detect as well. And so we just have to be very careful about how we manage 
I don't want to get stuck with a million four gig Raspberry Pi 4s. No. It's $50 million of inventory, right? So you've just got to be a little bit careful uh, as we do that. I really want to thank Eben once again for spending so much time with me, showing me around St. John's, showing me around the Rajbi Pi offices, giving us a bit of the behind the scenes context about the Rajbi Pi. I also hope that you enjoyed this video. Let me know in the comments below the kind of interviews you want to see. I'm hoping to reach out to lots of people and get behind the scenes information about the products that we use every day. I'm David Bumble, and I want to wish you all the very best. Raspberry Pi. The Raspberry Pi. The Raspberry Pi.